You're listening to the free preview episode of On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. To hear the entire episode, go to patreon.com forward slash Karen Geyer, K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R, and sign up. It's only $5 for the entire series. This is On Belief, a podcast about cults by Karen Geyer. Episode 12, Multi-Level Marketing. In the first episode of this show, What is a Cult with Rick Allen Ross, Rick Allen Ross discussed with us that not every cult is religiously based and that a cult or a controlling group can have anything at its central core. So today we're discussing groups that promise you the world. They promise you a new life more time with your family, the ability to change the world, the ability to change the lives of those closest to you. There are multi-level marketing companies. Multi-level marketing companies have been around since about the 1930s in America, and they have always had the same promise that you could work at home and make gobs and gobs of money. You can make as much money as you're willing to put the time in, but is it true? Or is it just a giant money-sucking operation that's meant to flow the money upwards to the pyramid? Here to discuss that and more are the experts, Katie Young and Sasha Zazi of Sounds Like Multi-Level Marketing, but okay, the podcast. Welcome, Sasha and Katie. Can you give us the history of multi-level marketing? A lot of people believe that Avon just sort of popped up and it was the first one. Yeah, it goes all the way back to the 30s. It was a uh, it was a C skincare line called Wachters. Wachters. She has yeah, such a hard time make, saying Wachters. <laughs> I do, because I always want to say Wachter, Texas Ranger. And <laughs> yeah, so Avon, actually, it started off as like a, a normal door-to-door sales thing. But I think that that's the one that people really latch onto. And then it's just kind of evolved into this late capitalistic kind of hellhole dystopia marketplace. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, and like she said, a lot of people think that Avon was the first MLM, um, just because it's so well known and it has been around, around a long time, but we, this season didn't, episode on Avon and how it started out and how it morphed into an MLM. And then we also did an episode on Wachters, which was actually the first MLM company. I've had a few people pitch me MLMs over the years. And the thing that they always say is that theirs is different than all the other ones. Is that ever true? It doesn't matter how many times somebody says, not my MLM, they're all exactly the same. (laughs) Yeah. There's there's no difference between MLMs. Everyone likes to say, uh, oh, mine is different. I've pulled in $100,000 just the last six months alone. If I can do it, you can do it too. We're not like LuLaRoe. That seems to be the one that people like to compare themselves to right now. But I, I think Katie really hit the nail on the head with that. I mean, they all have the same basic structure. And that basic structure is what 
sets up the company to essentially scam people. There's You can't have that MLM structure and not be just completely screwing people over. Well, and I think that the reason why that they all are set up the same and why they are so predatory is that, as Katie and I have talked about a lot on the show, is the companies make more money through their reps recruiting other people. It's just that they can get away with it by saying this isn't a pyramid scheme because they're offering you to sell something, but that's not where the bulk of the income comes. The bulk of the income for the company has to come from representative purchasing their own inventory. Yeah, exactly. It comes from people signing up and paying the sign-on amount, whether it be twenty dollars or a hundred dollars or seven hundred dollars that's where the company makes the bulk of their money is reps signing up and reps paying or buying whatever they need to stay active can you walk me through how the financials work step one draw a pyramid (laughs) (laughs) somebody starts an mlm company and they get people to sign up to sell their products and then they say hey you know, if you sign people up underneath you to also sell these products, you can make money from what they sell in this, what's basically a trickle up, I guess, <laughs> as opposed to trickle down. Um, yeah. And so so you make a percentage of whatever they make. And then the more people they sign up underneath them, the more money you make. So, I mean, that's the very basic explanation so the more people that the person at the top gets to sign up underneath them and under the people under them and under the people under them the more money they're going to make the only way to make a lot of money in an mlm is to as they like to say get in on the ground floor if you're not one of the first people to sign up you're not going to make anything network marketing is like sex it's best when you're on top (laughs) In the time that you've been doing this podcast, what is the most depressing thing that you've learned about MLM? Oh, gosh. There's so many depressing things. (laughs) I mean, how how much time you got? (laughs) The saddest thing that we see is, you know, honestly, for me, it's a tie between how in debt people get and seeing people lose relationships with friends and family because of the companies. Yeah, I think for me, I think that one of the, I I would agree with Katie, absolutely. But then also when you've got things like Amway, where I, I know Amway specifically has a procedure for this. So when you die, you can actually like bequeath your business onto your 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 children <laughs> your yeah. business. it's just it's just another way that they try to get people to put as much as they can into the business because if you make this super successful you can pass this on to your kids and then they won't have to work for their entire lives like obviously that's not really going to happen but they are so good at lying, they convince people that that can happen. So the typical way that a lot of people may have been recruited for multi-level marketing that you can see on a daily basis is through Facebook, but that's not the only way. So what have you guys learned about the way that MLMs recruit people? Um, I'd say as far as trends go, 
I mean, there's so many, there's so many ways that people recruit, but the first thing that pops into my head, um, and this is something that is talked about a lot in group because it's a lot of times people asking, why do they do this? It doesn't make any sense. Why do they do it? And what (laughs) they'll do is make a post on, you know, social media, Facebook, Instagram, whatever, and say, I have X amount of spots open on my team only for the next 24 hours. The first, you know, say 10 people to comment, get to join my team. And this is how great the company is. And this is how well I'm doing. So they try to make it sound super exclusive. Like you have to hurry to try to get in so you can be super successful and make as much money as they're making when a, they're not actually making that much money. <laughs> and B, it's not, there's no restriction on how many people they can recruit. Something that multi level marketing organizations share in common with cults is the love bombing and the, oh, you belong here. Oh, you, you're one of us. Oh, you're on our team. So talk to me about how that works. So much, so much emotional manipulation. Um, Going back to Amway, the episode that we did on it, the woman that we talked to was recruited at a time in her life where she didn't have a lot of friends. She didn't have a lot of family. She was looking for somewhere to belong and people to belong to. And the man that recruited her literally said, you know, I, I will be that father figure for you. I will be there for you no matter what, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, of course she believed him because she wanted to. She needed to. She needed to trust him and believe him. And she had no reason not to. And then as soon as they left the company, all of those relationships that they had formed were gone. And they do a really interesting thing where they never mention the company name in their posts. They'll mm-hmm. always say, I'll PM you. Yeah, And this is a really interesting tactic that they use because then they can slide into your DMs and say, um, oh, hey, um, if you're interested in joining my team, you know, they create a number, excuse me, they create a one-on-one relationship with you asking about your kids, saying how cute your dog is, et cetera. And then they slide in with the sales pitch after yeah. you and they- have made a connection and you don't have time to go Google the company first. Yeah, and they they do that to to corner you into that conversation. So they they won't say the name of the company, they won't say what the products are. They'll say, "Oh, I'll PM you or send me a message if you're interested so that you're forced into that one-on-one interaction." The whole premise of MLMs is that they give you training manuals that will tell you absolutely everything that you need to know in order to sell the product. So what do they tell people about recruitment? Well, um, I know that one of the interesting things right now is that people, I, I know that my local target has had a big hit of Amway reps in it where mm-hmm. they just walk around Target and then they'll try to make conversation with you when you're in line. Starbucks is also notoriously big for trying to, you know, like, oh, looks like you have a really, really good work ethic while you're working on your your computer or something. So those are, you know two places that I can think of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, you know, they don't have any restrictions on who they want you to recruit. 
So I think that most companies, when you're first starting out, they'll say, hey, you should talk to your friends and family members about this great product. You know, you want to share this awesome thing that you found with the people you love, don't you? So, you know, first and foremost, you have to target your closest friends and family members. And then once those outlets are exhausted, try to connect with people you used to know, people you used to be friends with, your high school classmates, which is the big joke around MLMs is getting messages from people you knew in high school that you haven't talked to in 10, 15, 20 years. And now all of a sudden they're trying to pretend like you're buddy, buddy, and they care so much about you and they're just trying to sell things to you. Um, and then moving on to, you know, if you're religious, try to talk to people in your church, you know, anyone that you can remotely say that you care about, you know, share this awesome product with them. And then it just expands from there. Once all of those internal resources are exhausted, you move on to, like Sasha was saying, trying to find people in random stores and approaching anyone that you can. Which is just, it sounds exhausting. I mean, the the big thing that MLMs try to push is... I can have time with my family whenever I want, but then you're constantly spending any time that you have trying to sell your company products. Anywhere you go, you're having to try to recruit people or try to sell your products. So you end up with the opposite where you're spending all of your time, quote unquote, working instead of getting all of this time off. And these companies will promise, I think that LuLaRoe was the one that came out and said this. I don't think that they're saying it anymore, but it was part-time work for full-time pay. And that's very lucrative. Yeah, that was their their real big thing for the first several years after they were founded was the part-time work for full-time pay because, you know, hey, it's super easy. You just sell leggings. Cults all have their own language. And it sounds like multi-level marketing is no exception. Can you explain some of the jargon terms? Um, I would say the first thing that I think of when I think of MLM-specific language is my why. So they'll make these really long, seemingly heartfelt posts about why they joined this company and how this company has improved their lives so much. And there it's just the reason why it feels so cult like is they attribute absolutely everything in their lives to having joined this company. You know, I'm able to do this because this company, I'm able to do this because this company, and it's all stuff that a, they would have been able to do with a regular job or B, they would have been able to do regardless. For more on this episode, including the rest of the interview, bonus episodes, and bonus material, including production notes, head over to patreon.com forward slash K-A-R-E-N-G-E-I-E-R. You can find Unbelief on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. And you can visit the website at onbelief.com.